Blog Talk Radio. Listening to the Loaded Gloves Boxing Podcast, episode 18. Uh, I am here. I am your host, Scott Jarvis, and I am here today with my guest co-host, uh, Michael Shepard. How are you doing today, Michael? Very well. Good. Excited good. Good to, to hear, here. man. Good. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. It's uh, Victor's a little bit under the weather today, so uh, I called on Mike to fill in, and uh, this should be a pretty good time. So uh, let's get started. We'll jump right in. Uh, we had some pretty important heavyweight action last night uh, happening over in England, uh, and that was uh, Anthony Joshua versus Joseph Parker uh, in a 12-rounder for the IBF, WBA, IBO, and uh, Parker's WBO uh, heavyweight championship. Uh, now, in that fight, Joshua defeated Parker via a 12-round decision, unanimous decision, and the judges' scorecards uh, were 118-110, 119-109, and another 118-110. Uh, now, i got to ask you, Michael, uh, what did you think of uh, not only the fight, but uh, those scores as well? I thought it was a professional performance, really, from Anthony Joshua. Nothing, uh, nothing exciting for the fans to watch. Uh, I, thought, I, I actually thought it was kind of closer. I thought Parker did well at the beginning, and then Joshua kind of pulled away at the end once he'd worked out um, mm-hmm. Parker's, Parker's style, you know, of just trying to negate him. Uh, trying to come in every time he threw like those, that double jab, he was coming in low and kind of going for Joshua's body. Um, right. Once Joshua Joshua kind of worked that out, he stopped throwing that right hand, and you could see that Joshua was kind of like waiting for Parker to duck down, and he was coming up with the uppercuts. So, right. yeah, I yeah, we, I, yeah. I I know I've talked to people who thought it was was a lot closer than what the judges scored it. Um, I thought uh, Joshua won nine to three, uh, and I've had. On the other side of the street, I've had some people tell me that, it, you know, no, the judges were completely right. It was a wash or, you know, it was a walk in the park. But um, prior to the fight happening, Michael, I, I said on Twitter that I thought uh, uh, Joseph Parker would probably be a layup for Joshua. That turned out not to be the case, and I'm happy that wasn't the case. Um, I think that he won handily, but uh, Parker, you know, showed – I think showed all of us that you know there's there's definitely some deficiencies and some vulnerabilities there in Joshua's. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think it's still the same old problems from the Takam fight. I thought that his his foot movement was a little bit better, but it wasn't great. And then mm-hmm. his body movement, he's still a little bit a little bit solid up top. He doesn't move enough. Um, I thought he was actually missing his combinations against Kalichko. He threw some nice mm-hmm. combinations against Takam. When he finished the cam off, he was throwing a lot of combinations. But in this fight, we didn't really see that. There wasn't really punches and bunches. Um, yeah. So he'd gone, gone backwards a little bit that way. Yeah, it's it's been uh, it, uh, with the, this fight, the Parker fight, and then the Takam fight. Um, I, I've I've been a little disappointed in, in Joshua's performances. Uh, you know, when he stepped in the ring, I I you know maybe it was because maybe I was a prisoner of the moment. You know, and. The Klitschko fight didn't go as I expected it to go. I thought Klitschko would probably win that fight. Um, you know, but Joshua showed us a lot in that, answered a lot of questions. Um, 
But in these last two fights, again, to Common Parker, um, I've seen Anthony Joshua that, like you said, Michael, uh, has trouble, either has trouble or isn't throwing combinations uh, as much as he did earlier. Um, the footwork isn't great. Uh, there's definitely, I think Joshua has a big problem with upper body movement, I, and I don't know if that has anything to do with his size or his conditioning or if that's just not his style, but... Uh, there's yeah there's there's some there's some big holes in that game that I think the right fighter could exploit. Um, now that said, um, what did you make of uh, Parker's performance, Michael? He he, he really impressed me um, from his uh, fight against Andrew Ruiz over in New Zealand, which I thought was a close fight and could have gone either way, and then his uh, performance against Huey Fury, but. Um, you know, Huey obviously related to Tyson, and they're kind of sure. the way that they fight is kind of that that spoiler kind of style. So maybe maybe it'd been a bit too harsh on Parker there because you know the Furies are kind of <laughs> difficult to, to look good against, obviously. Um, right. So I don't know whether it was the dropping weight and also having the uh, the, the operation on his shoulder or elbow, uh, which helped him. But I, he, he mm-hmm. impressed me, especially at the start, because I was kind of the same with his last two performances. I thought. Six, six, seven rounds. Joshua would have had him out of there. Um, so yeah, he 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 impressed me, especially with his feints early on, throwing a couple of jabs, his movement for a, for a heavyweight. He was doing some things that you normally see from the smaller guys, which uh, I kind of liked early on. But in the later rounds, that was kind of missing. Right, right. Yeah, I, yeah. I I kind of saw it the same way as you did in terms of Parker's performance. Um, I think I said last week on the show to Victor and, and to the audience. Uh, that I spent about mm, about three or three and a half hours watching uh, Joseph Parker fights on YouTube, both full fights and highlights, and I didn't see a lot that made me think, okay, this is the guy to to not only trouble Joshua, but you know maybe potentially upset him as well. Um, and with I think Takam was the fight uh, he had just before uh, the fight yesterday, and uh, he was much more aggressive in the Takam fight, and he got hit a lot by Carlos. Um, with with some overhand lefts and rights, uh, and I came into this fight thinking, well, if that happened against Takam, who's not on Joshua's level, that you know it that that's going to be the end for Parker. And I, I thought that there was going to be a six, you know, somewhere like a mid-fight knockout, five, six, or seven rounds. But uh, you, Parker impressed me in the, in the early going too. Uh, his movement, I think, gave Joshua some troubles and didn't let Joshua really set up any kind of you know. Um, meaningful attack and 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 uh, some of the jabs that Parker was throwing, I think, might have put uh, Joshua off his game a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, I don't know, man. Uh, Joshua just has looked a little too flat for me in the last couple of fights. Um, I think I may have not only been a prisoner of the moment, but you know, you get as boxing fans, we we you know, you not only get caught up in the moment or you know the the action of of the fight that's in front of you or the fight that just happened. Um, but you start, you know, you hear all the hype, you hear, you see it on Twitter, and you talk to other people with, with that share your opinion, and you, you know, you kind of, you get into that mode of groupthink, and you kind of not overlook flaws, but you kind of forget that they're there. Um, I want to see Joshua make some some improvements going forward, um, but at what 28 or almost 29 years old, I don't know that he will or can. Um, uh, do you think he can do that, Michael? Do you think he can? And up his work rate. I can think 
going back to his, he can probably get his combinations back, maybe his work rate, but with his size, I don't know whether he's ever really going to have that that upper sure. body movement and, and with his feet. Um, Listen to an interview with him. He said that he thought he'd improved on that. And uh, McCracken, his coach, also said that he he, he scored him nine out of ten for that fight. Um, mm-hmm. And he's normally not known to be uh, a high scorer towards his towards his fighters. He normally scores them like a six or a seven, you know, to try and keep them down there. So to score him a nine out of ten, he obviously thought that was quite a good performance. You know, different to what we thought. But mm-hmm. yeah, I kind of agree. Twenty eight, twenty nine. You can't teach a dog's new tricks, as they say. So. Right, right. I mean, yeah, he's right. In the, he's right at the, you know, the he's entering or, or you know, entering his prime or entering the middle of it, and you know, by by twenty eight or twenty nine, most boxers are who they are. You know, they're going to be. Um, but with that said, um, before this fight happened, Michael, uh, I was thinking, you know, Joshua versus, you know, a hypothetical Tyson Fury fight. Uh, I thought Joshua would handle Fury, but after after watching these last two fights that Joshua's you know kind of been a little lackluster in to my eyes, I think I I really believe that uh, Tyson Fury probably gives Joshua a lot of hell, a lot of problems. Um, would you agree or disagree with that? Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it would probably be like a similar a similar fight to the Klitschko Tyson Fury, mm-hmm. similar style. You know, Joshua's kind of similar to Klitschko, like tight upper sure. body. Um, and if Tyson pulled off that same performance, I could see it being the same sort of thing, like a 12-round wide decision. Right, right. Yeah, I, I, I kind of see Joshua chasing Tyson around the ring and not connecting with a lot. <laughs> um, but in order for that to happen, Tyson Fury not only has to, to return, but he has to be uh, successful in his return against lesser opposition, and he's got to... Uh, be really focused. Uh, you know, if he comes in fat or, you know, he's still got all those, uh, you know, extracurricular activities going on outside of the ring or in his personal life. Um, I don't think he, he, he'll, he'll do as well as he would, uh, you know, if he, if he enters, you know, against Joshua or even wilder, uh, you know, tight and focused and properly trained. Um, now I gotta ask you, Michael, um, after last night, uh, I don't, I don't think, the Wilder fight is next. I don't think that fight happens at least until next year at the earliest. And I don't think either Wilder nor Joshua want the fight uh, or really are in a hurry to make it, I should say. Um, now, given that, um, and you can tell me if you disagree with that, but where do you, where would you like to see Joshua ahead next? I, I originally thought that having Povetkin on the undercard, that Eddie Hearn mm-hmm. was looking at, you know, Povetkin winning, Joshua winning, and then having him fight Povetkin. Because uh, I think mm-hmm. Povetkin may be the WBA uh, mandatory, or he's close, right. he's, he's up there. But Dylan White came out today saying that he spoke to uh, Povetkin's people last night, and uh, those two have verbally agreed to fight. So mm-hmm. that may that may happen, so that may negate that. If not, uh, <laughs> Big Baby, Big Baby Miller, uh, Anthony okay. Joshua against Baby Miller in, in Brooklyn. Uh, is another okay. one because I think Baby Miller is actually signed to matchroom boxing. Oh yeah, yeah I so think you're means... right. I think he is. So I think that's yeah, like I... in in house in house fight. You know, when he's the money stays right. in house, so it could be easy to make. Right, very easy to make. Um, yeah, I, I was kind of hoping to see, given the given the landscape of the heavyweight division and, and who's available and who's already been beaten by Joshua, uh, I was kind of hoping it would be 
Alexander uh, Pavyakin, but I did see that same uh, that same news this morning, where they verbally agreed to fight each other. He and uh, Dillian White. Um, I'm not too high on uh, our, our Dillian White and Pavyakin. Sorry. Um, outside of Pavyakin, we've got Dominic Brazil, um, Baby Big Baby Miller, Carlos Takam, Kubrat Puliyev, um, and I, I got to agree with you, Michael. I think big, you know, in lieu of a in lieu of a fight with Povetkin, uh, I think big, big Baby Miller is probably his best option, short of Deontay Wilder. Um, you know, it, but it makes me it makes me just hope all the more that they surprise us with a Wilder fight at the end of the year because I don't think Big Baby Miller uh, does too well against Joshua. I think he's uh, too undisciplined and. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how serious uh, Big Baby takes the game. I don't. He, I don't think he takes it uh, as serious as as, as uh, AJ does. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would agree. You know, I think with his last fight, he came in around three hundred pounds or something crazy. Uh, yeah. He, I mean, he has that thing in his head that you know, the heavier he is, the the better his chin is. Uh, he right. thinks he's more powerful and. You know, he's six foot four, so he's given away a few inches to Joshua there. His reach is only 78, so I think he's given away six to seven inches reach. So, but it, I mean, I'm sure it'd be a good, it'd be kind of a good fight for the fans because, you know, Big Baby's kind of similar. He doesn't really move. His, his feet aren't great, so it's just going to be a yeah. strong wallet fight in the middle of the ring, I think. Yeah, no, yeah, I agree. I, it's, it's excited about, but... You know, given like I said a few moments ago, given the the rest of the landscape, I, you know, it's not a it's not the worst fight that could be made. Um, now, I want to get your take, Michael, on uh, a possible um, Joshua Wilder uh, fight. Uh, do you think that happens this year, next year, twenty twenty, or uh, and you know, how do you see that playing out if and when it does finally go down? Uh, I think early next year, maybe. Uh, okay. And then I still can't decide where. I don't know whether the Vegas money, the hotels and stuff will chip together and put a big purse to bring all the British fans over because they know that you know, it's going to generate hundreds of millions with the people coming over. Right. Um, well, I think if they should have two, maybe three. Okay. Okay. Do you think it? Do you think it's going to land here in the States or do you think it's going to be uh, over back in England? Yeah, I'm thinking they might do two. I'm thinking they might do Wembley, take the ninety thousand there, and then you know just bank on, bank on it being a good fight, and then bring it back to Vegas or vice versa. Maybe Vegas the first time, and then have the return leg sure. in, in London at Wembley Stadium. Uh, you know, it's going to generate a lot of money as long as it's a good fight, as long as they don't stink the place out. But I can't imagine it still being up <laughs> too big heavyweights. Right. Uh, well, I, I think I, especially after watching the last two fights, I think. Uh, including Wilder's fight, last fight. Uh, I think when Wilder has somebody that can punch, like Ortiz could, and, and like Wilder or like Joshua certainly can, um, I think he's going to be very tentative and he's going to box more than he's going to fight. And I think Joshua's uh, going to do a lot of the same uh, things that we saw him do last night uh, because uh, a Parker can punch a bit, uh, not as hard as Deontay, but. You know, he's got some pop there, and there's something that, you know, you, you have to respect that as a fighter. Um, I don't see I don't see them stinking out the joint by any means, but I don't think it'll be the, you know, I don't think it'll be a knockdown, drag-out type of affair or like a Hag Burns thing where they're just, you know, throwing bombs from the opening bell. Um, 
Who do you have winning that fight if it happened right now, Michael? Uh, Anthony Joshua, I think. I think Wilder always has the chance because he's kind of hard to plan for because he's sure. so unorthodox. He throws punches <laughs> and wild angles and stuff like that. But I think if Joshua sticks to his game plan, he's got a good coach in McCracken. Obviously, he was Carl Froch's coach. And right. He's a great British boxing coach for the amateur team. So, you know, he's got good pedigree, good stock. He was also a pro. So I think they'd be able to put forward maybe a good uh, a good plan to get Wilder out of there. But he's just got that one-punch knockout. Look at him against Ortiz. Ortiz was yeah. kind of schooling him. And, and then just out of nowhere, he doesn't even need to connect fully. Just and um, He's just right. got that much power. But I yeah, would, I would, I'd go Joshua. Well, yeah, I, I I agree with you, man. I think I think Joshua probably gets Wilder out of there, um, but I'm not so sure, especially as of late, that Joshua gets out of there unscathed. I think there could be some scary moments. Um, if uh, we've, I mean, we've seen uh, Joshua get hit with some shots that he shouldn't be getting hit with, you know, in all of his fights. Uh, if Wilder, you know, manages to land anything like that at any point, uh, you know, it could be a it could be a, a real problem for Eddie Hearn and Anthony Joshua, but. Um, yeah, I tend to, I tend to think uh, that fight happens. I, I agree with you. Early, earliest next year, but I think it probably happens near the end of the year. Um, and then I think it probably happens in England. I asked a uh, quick shout out to Steve Kim and over uh, Steve Kim over at UCN Live. I asked him yesterday on Twitter where he, in his opinion, where he thought the fight landed, and he said wherever 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 Eddie Hearn wants it to land. Um, and I think that, that pretty much sums it up. Uh, you know, I know Wilder, you know, there's a lot of hubris and a lot of, uh, hyperbole that comes, comes from that man. And, you know, he doesn't want to chase AJ. He doesn't, he's a champion, so he doesn't have to go and fight these other guys and, you know, he can do what he wants. You know, it, I don't necessarily agree with Eddie Hearn all that much. And I don't, I'm not really a big fan of the guy, but, you know, in, in the last two post-fight interviews at, at Joshua's fights, you know, he's, he's absolutely right, you know. Who does Wild, what, what does Wilder draw and who does he draw? You know, they, they, they have to pay for Wilder fights and, and Joshua's drawing 80,000, you know what I mean? So even when he doesn't fight anybody, you know, or when he fights someone like Carlos Takam, who's, you know, a, a second-tier a second fighter, you know, um, it's – I don't know which side wants to fight more or less in this scenario. Um, I don't think either side, again, is in a rush to make the fight. Um, because I think there's great risk in it for both guys and both promoters. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, I think probably late next year. And I think, I think probably Joshua wins by late stoppage, but not without some problems or some scary moments. Um, now with that said, Michael, was there anything else you wanted to add to the big fight last night? Maybe no, the, referee? the referee's, <laughs> performance, the referee's yeah, performance was pretty amateurish. Uh, sure. No, that was all over Twitter. So yeah, uh, well, in, initially when it, when he started interfering, it it took me a couple of seconds to to collect myself and say, hey, "What the fuck is this? What's going on?" You know, and then I saw like you did. Everyone on Twitter just went nuts. But I think uh, I don't think there was anything you know uh, unscrupulous going on there. I think he was just widely or largely inexperienced. You know, especially on a fight of that level or magnitude. Um, and I definitely don't think he belonged there. No, uh, Kevin Barry, the uh, Parker's trainer, was complaining about him, saying that he tried to question him, but supposedly <laughs> he didn't speak English. 
But at the same time, <laughs> he was saying that he, he also signed off on the referee. You know, obviously both camps have to sign off and agree to have that referee. Sure. So, yeah, there's not much you can say, but it was kind of amateurish to watch. And, you know, all the fans were pretty annoyed by him because, you know, Parker was giving away a lot in his reach. So that infighting right. that he was trying to do, he couldn't do. Right. No, yeah, I agree. You, the the one the one aspect that really bothered me last night about the ref the ref was uh, I think it was was that round 6 or 7 where Parker was kind of unloading on Joshua and was was kind of catching him and then the ref I think it was the first or second time the ref interfered with the action and you know he stepped in and stopped stuff and I thought what the hell is going on here? You know what this is this is never okay. You know these guys were clean uh, exchanging clean blows and starting to mix it up and you could step in and stop the action, you know, and bring things back down. So yeah, hopefully we don't ever have to see him uh, or well, not never, but hopefully before they stick him in another fight of, of that magnitude or, you know, with something that carries that much importance uh, with it, uh, that he gets some more experience or is a little bit better prepared and trained. Uh, now, with that said, Michael, uh, let's move the show on. Uh, I want to talk a bit about uh, Alexander Povetkin versus David Price, uh, which was the penultimate fight on the Joshua card last night. Uh, that was a 12-round fight uh, in the heavyweight division. Um, now, Alexander Povetkin uh, had been out a while, and uh, David Price is, uh, if you're listening to this show, you know what David Price is. <laughs> and he's what he always has been. Uh, now, uh Aside from some early trouble in the fight, um, Povetkin dropped Price uh, uh, almost, yeah, first he dropped him in the second round, I believe it was, uh, and then he eventually knocked him out in the fifth round with a very scary-looking knockout, Michael. Uh, what did you make of uh, both the knockout and uh, Povetkin's performance? As you said, the knockout was kind of scary. Uh, sure. Kind of connected once, and then Price seemed to be out on his feet, and he just had a, yeah. a free shot took it yep. laid him laid him out and it brought back memories of the uh, Manuel Marquez against Pacquiao knockout he was out on his face but looking yeah, at yeah. and called, called, called the medics in quickly um, yeah. I didn't think Povetkin was looked great I think having some time off uh, you know because he's only been fighting over in Russia against like little name unknown opponents uh, kind of looked his age a bit 38 yeah um because Price, at times, was connecting with a few things. Uh, so I don't know whether it's the, the lack of steroids. Now he's been caught two times <laughs> or three times, whatever it is. Sure. It's affecting his performance. Well, I, it's funny because after all that, the testing and the, the positive tests that Povetkin had, he came in, uh, he certainly didn't have the body he had before. Um, and like you, I don't know whether it's a lack of steroids that – that uh, you know caused him to look a little washed or a little a little shop worn, I should say. Maybe washed is a, mm-hmm. is, a is poor terminology, but uh, yeah, it, it was. Not, it's, it's definitely not the same uh, Povetkin we'd seen, you know, even five years ago, three, four, five years ago. Um, but against David Price, I mean, it's not that all that difficult to look good. Um, if I'm Povetkin's team. Um, I'm really concerned about the trouble he had with Price. I think that was in round three or four. Uh, I didn't put that in my notes. Um, where he where he got caught and got hurt and rocked by Price. I know Price can punch a little bit, but you know David isn't isn't known. Uh, you know, uh, like you and I were talking about before we went on the air today. Uh, Price is good behind closed doors and sparring and in the gym, but when those lights go on and the cameras roll, 
Uh, he just can't put those pieces together. So um, that would be a concern uh, if I'm a Pavyekin fan or if I'm, you know, I'm on that team, um, especially moving into a potential, you know, Wilder or, or uh, Joshua matchup at some point down the road. Um, now, what about Price, Michael? What I mean, we know what he is, and that's all he's ever going to be. But uh, do you think he's hang him up? Is, is this a, is this definitely an end for him, or or could he, or should he continue on, or should he just never be allowed in the ring again? Uh, I'm hoping he's made <laughs> enough money that he can stop, because unless yeah. he wants to drop down to that British level or the European level, that every time he tries to take a step up, he not only does he lose, but he gets spectacularly knocked out. So <laughs> right. that's five. It's five losses, but it's five by big KOs. Um, right, right. So I'm hoping, yeah, I, I'm hoping he's made enough money that he can step away. Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, man, 100%. I, when, I, when I saw that knockout last night, uh, or, the, or the, punch, the, the, the punch before the knockout when he put David out on his feet, and I saw, I saw Price's hands drop, I thought, okay, that's it. Where's the ref? Jump in. And, you know, Pavikin was allowed to get that last shot in. It was just... It was one of those knockouts that, as a as a as a human being, it makes me kind of sad to watch. There is a little, I feel a little bit morose watching a guy go out like that, especially a guy like Price, who who has a reputation as being a good guy or a nice guy. But you know, and 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 then you know, I, I'm watching a fighter get in there and give everything he's got, and he's just being taken out like that. Um, but given the nature of the knockout, and like you said, he's spectacularly knocked out in all of his losses. Um, mm-hmm. I I hope to God that that somebody tells David because I'm sure you know he's a fighter he's probably got that mentality all other or most other fighters have where it's I'm not quitting I'm not stopping I want to keep going you know I hope somebody saves him from himself or that he's smart enough to say hey you know what I'm I think he's 34 now you know I've got some money I, I've been good with my money or I've invested it wisely I want to go home and 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 you know spend the rest of my life with my friends and my family because. At this level, uh, you know, at the Pavyekin level, and probably a step below that, I just, I don't think he has the tools to get the job done. Um, and at, at his age, and, and given his, you know, his his history, um, you know, he's he's more of a punchline than he is, a, you know, anything else. So, you know, hopefully nobody allows him to get in, and anybody that does should be ashamed of themselves. But uh, now. Um, I know you told us, Michael, what you thought of Pavyekin's performance. Um, I thought he looked faded as well. Um, how do you see him faring in, in a fight against Dillian White or, or even against, uh, you know, the two-headed monster at the top of the division? Uh, I think Joshua, I think it would be a routine win for him. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's just too small. He's only six foot two. I think he's sure. probably got an eight or nine-inch uh, reach advantage, Joshua. So it should be kind of a routine win. Like we were saying, his, his body looked different due to probably the VADA testing that he has to go through since testing positive all the time. So mm-hmm. it'd be, if I was Joshua, I'd, with him being the mandatory, I would definitely take that. That's an easy payday yeah. for him. Sure. You know? Now, do you think you, Another, said, you, said, you said routine win, Michael, but does that mean easy win? Or you know, does he walk through him? Or, or, or is it just a convincing dominant win? I think he, I think he'd take him out. Yeah, yeah. I I, I tend to agree with that. I think an early stoppage would, for that one. Okay. Now, what about against White? Because that's that's probably the next fight for both of those guys. Uh, how do you see that playing out? 
See, now Dylan White before I didn't I, I didn't think he was kind of world level, uh, but sure. then his last performance he came in looking really trim. He actually had a jab. He he moved around a lot because before he was much more of a street fighter. But then in his last right. performance against Lucas Brown, who didn't look great, so maybe that's why he looked so good. Um, he had a jab. He seemed to be snapping his jab. He actually threw combinations. Looked like he had a game plan. Looked like he was actually setting traps. So if we have that same performance, I see Dylan White taking out uh, Povetkin as well. I think he's just too old now. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And like I said, going uh, going back to what I said a few minutes ago, uh, that the damage that Price did to Povetkin early in the fight should should have him and his team concerned. I mean, I know everybody can, you know, everybody has a bad moment or a bad day at the office or whatever you want to call it, but you know, a really good fighter, a fighter that's on their game, isn't isn't going to have any problems with with someone like David Price whatsoever. Um, but that said, um, I think I think Dillian White probably beats Povetkin too, um, and I'm sure that's going to be some kind of eliminator for for one of the other for one of the two champions, uh, you know, at the top of the division. Um, but with that said, uh, I don't have anything else to add to the Povetkin Price fight. Uh, was there anything you you uh, wanted to cover in that? No, nothing. On that. All right. <laughs> um, well, then, uh, before we move on to the next week's f- uh, fight preview, Michael, uh, let me remind our listeners that they can call in and uh, talk boxing with us at six five seven three eight three zero three nine one. You can also tweet me uh, at Split D Boxing on Twitter, and I will answer your questions there. Uh, Michael, what's your Twitter handle so they can send questions there or follow you? It's mshep100. Okay, mshep100. Okay, so go do that, people, uh, and then we will move on to the fight preview. Uh, Next week, uh, Michael, uh, the first fight of note uh, I have on my notes is Jarrett Hurd versus Arislandy Laura, and that's an IBF WBA junior middleweight unification bout. Um, So that's obviously a 12-rounder. This fight, Michael, is really difficult for me to pick uh, a winner in. I I see a lot of strengths and weaknesses in both guys. Uh, Hurd's a young up-and-comer. Laura's the the aging kind of faded veteran. Um, But Hurd is so slow and slow slow plotting, excuse me, Michael, um, I, I have a hard time believing he'll be able to catch Laura to do any damage. Uh, but conversely, um, I don't know how much, how, you know, how, how good it, Laura's legs are anymore. Um, and then my mind goes back to the Angulo fight when Laura was, you know, in his primer or just, just, you know, entering it. Um, Angulo gave Laura real problems and almost got him out of there a couple of times. Um, playing out and who do you think takes it? I think Heard might just be too big. He's, yeah. Super welterweight. He's like six six one, I believe. Um, he can just seem to take like an, a, a crazy amount of punishment. Like when he fought Austin Trout, he just stands there. He just plants his feet, and then that seems to be one of his one of his game plans. He can just let people unload, and he just seems to be able to absorb all that pain and then tire people out, then take them out in the later rounds. Um, right. So I, I, I think I, I think Heard might just take it. Uh I think it might be a bit of a stinker of a fight, you know, obviously being Sandy Lara. Uh, <laughs> well any, anytime Laura's involved in a fight, there's always that possibility. <laughs> <laughs> His fights are usually garbage, man, but uh yeah, it's it's I I mean, is it a hard fight for you to pick? Is it as it is for me or or do you see Heard as kind yeah. of a 
a clear favorite? It, it's hard to pick. Like if, if Lara can can roll back the years, I can see him taking it. He's a skilled fighter, boring to watch, but sure. he's definitely skilled. And in Heard, he just seems to be more of a street fighter. He can just yeah. he's huge at that weight. I don't even know how he actually <laughs> makes the weight. He looks so big <laughs> on the day. Yeah. Well, I, th- I think that's that's part of the key to Heard's success is that he's so so large for his division. Uh, you know, that gives him an edge in power and in size and in strength. Um, this this whole thing to me, this fight comes down to one thing: whether or not Heard can actually catch and land on Laura. Um, now, like you said, if Laura can roll back the clock, or if you know he's extremely focused and had a you know exemplary training camp, uh, and you know he can move like he used to, uh, I think Heard has a real problem on his hands, and he'll be, he'll be made to look a little bit amateurish. But uh, you know, if Laura looks the way he has. Uh, you know, Herd, Herd could definitely walk him down and break him down over a you know a long fight and get him out of there late. Um, but officially, I can't go on the record and pick either guy because I don't I don't have a fucking clue who's going to win this fight, Michael. I uh, I know people online and people in my you know my my personal life that are certain one one of the other guys is going to win. But I I just see it as a pick and it's a toss up for me. So uh, yeah, um, now. Uh, regardless of who wins the fight, do you think the win- that winner uh, might possibly get uh, Charlo or even Saddam Ali next? I think they'll probably want Saddam Ali. I assume. Yeah. I I guess everyone probably sees him as the uh, the weaker guess, champion yeah. out there. Yeah. So someone's probably going to throw a lot of money at money at it and try and get Saddam Ali. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, the the fan in me says I want Jared Hurd to win uh, this weekend so that he can fight uh, Ali and then Charlo because I think Hurd versus Charlo is a really exciting fight potentially exciting fight um, and I agree Saddam Ali is probably the the weak link in, in that you know in that uh, chain of champions at 154 but uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see man <laughs> I, I don't know um, also uh, next weekend Michael we have uh, a rematch with. Uh, Caleb Truax uh, defending his titles uh, James Gale um, how do you see that one playing out and why I, I see DeGale ho- hopefully coming back having a proper training camp this time because when he lost there was all these rumors around that he was flying out to Spain and partying with his friends because he wasn't taking because right. uh, he'd picked he'd picked Truax and thought he was going to be an easy fight um <laughs> He's he's come out saying that if he doesn't beat Truax, that he's he's going to retire because he says that he'll be going backwards in his career. So there's so there's no point. So he, I assume he's taking it seriously, and I'm expecting a, a much changed Degel. Should be back to his old ways, throwing combinations, good movement on his feet. Um, so I would go with Degel. Um, All right, but we'll have, to, we'll have to see on the on the day, I guess. Yeah, it's it. It's not as hard for me to pick as the Laura Hurt fight, Michael. But uh, when I look at Caleb Truax, I see a very, I see a very average fighter. Um, not you know not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but but not great <laughs> either. Um, now when I look at James DeGale, I don't see any lead fighter. You know I don't think he's like on the level of, that Carl Froch was on. Uh, certainly not on the level of Andre Ward, but. Uh, uh, when they were both at 168, but um, I definitely think he's a step or uh, class above Truax. Um, but I think I agree with you. I think this fight comes down to whether or not uh, James DeGale or uh, 
you know, had a good training camp and, and, and had the right mentality heading into this one. Um, if he comes in, you know, in proper shape and properly trained and motivated and, and focused, I think that he, he probably beats Truax without too many issues. Um, now, is whether or not he retires if he loses to Caleb Truax again, uh, I, I mean, I, how long? I, uh, this is the first time you and I have, have worked together. So, really quick, let me and our audience know how long have you been watching boxing? Oh, uh, <laughs> most, of my li- most of my life, I would say. That's probably a good question. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm 30, 32 years old, so I don't know, 20 years or so. Okay, yeah, so this is a long time. Yeah, it's a long time. Um, God, God, now I feel really old. I've been watching it as long as you've been alive. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Um, but anyway, I, I wanted to ask that question because, uh, you know, if you've watched boxing for more than a couple of years, you see the same stories play out over and over and over, whether it's, you know, the way a guy fights or comes back from a loss, uh, you know, the stuff he says. And in this case, you know, James DeGale, I'm going to retire if, you know, I'm, I'm leaving town if I lose to this guy again, because he's not on my level. You know, we see that all the time. And, you know, guys go on again, like David Price, he's probably going to continue to fight on. Uh, at, at some level, you know, even if it's a domestic level, um, which would be a crime, but, you know, it, that's just usually the way it plays out. You know, guys always want to retire or say they're going to retire and then they don't. Like, I'm expecting Andre Ward at some point to come back at cruiserweight, uh, you know, or at heavyweight and, and, and pick off one of the weak links, you know, in those divisions uh, when, you know, at the time of his return. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't buy into that. You know, I'm gonna retire if I lose type of thing because there's always there's always more money in a in a rubber match and you know with other guys and uh, you know stuff like that. So that remains to be seen. But uh, yeah, officially officially I'm I'm pick, I'm gonna go out on a limb and pick James DeGale um, to win probably by decision. Um, but I guess we'll have to wait until Saturday and see. Uh, now, was there anything else you wanted to add to that fight, Michael? Before we move on? No, I agree. I think there'll be a decision. James DeGale. Yeah. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, before we move on to the J-Rock, uh, Nathaniel Gallimore fight, uh, if DeGale wins, uh, do you see him uh, maybe fighting the winner of, of the super middleweight tournament that's, that uh, concludes, what, in a couple of months? Yeah, I see that because obviously it'll be a big British fight. I'm sure there uh, sure. be a lot of money involved. Big big payday for both the guys. Probably a bit one of the big stadiums. Um, yeah. So I I can see that you know if it ends up being Groves that'd be a rematch. Obviously those two met early on in the sure. career when Gale was kind of the golden boy at the time, and uh, George Groves came out of nowhere and managed to uh, take take the win take the win from him. Uh, so right, that'd be a great rematch for those two. Yeah, that would be. I think that's the more preferable fight if you're a boxing fan because I don't I don't think Callum Smith is. It has what it has the tools to get by George Groves, let alone you know James DeGale. Um and you know George Groves has the name. You know Callum Smith is the only people who know who Callum Smith is are guys like you and I. You know people who do shows and and watch for watch boxing for twenty or thirty thirty five years. Um, <laughs> but you know what I and and you know boxing is a business first, so um, I'm sure the powers that be are the brass in the sport. Uh, would hope for for a, a Groves to Gale rematch as well. Um, now, with that said, let's move on to uh, another fight we've got coming up this next Saturday. 
Uh, it's Julian J. Rock Williams versus Nathaniel Gallimore. Uh, that's going to be a 12-round affair for uh, the IBF Junior Middleweight Eliminator. That's 154 pounds. Um, now, I don't know how much, how or how familiar you are you are with Nathaniel Gallimore, Michael. Um, I had to go and watch him on YouTube today, uh, and I was scouting through his uh, his box rec, box rec information last night. Um, I don't see too much on his record and, and, and too much online to make me think um, that he's going to be, I, I won't say, i got to watch what I say because I take a beating on Twitter when I use certain certain uh, words or, or verbiage. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you know how that goes. Uh, I, don't, I don't see Gallimore being too big of a problem for J-Rock. Um, how do you feel about the fight? I agree. Um, I, I saw uh, Williams at uh, J-Rock against uh, Ishii Smith in Vegas. I went to that fight. Um, I think it's just one that they've picked for Williams to uh, probably shouldn't say it, you know, just a, kind of like a, a little warm-up fight. Uh, right, confidence keep, builder. Keep him, keep, yeah, keep him ticking over. Um, cause, sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think Gallimard's really ever fought any, anyone on this level, like, kind of more of a small no. ball fighter. Yeah. Um, so J Rock, it should be just uh, a routine. Get him, get him out there, get the win, and then obviously probably look for a bigger name somewhere later in the year, around September time, on a bigger card. Right, right, right. Yeah, I agree. Um, the only thing I noticed on Gallimore's record that kind of caught my eye was his knockout ratio, which is 77%. Um, but when when I see a number that high, that high on a guy like Gallimore, I always have to ask myself, is it real power and skill and talent that's that's giving him those knockouts or is it his you know his his questionable level of opposition so uh you know and, and and given the fact that Williams has been knocked out before there's always that possibility because you never know what what mental state a guy is in after a beating like that but uh you know and Charlotte Charlotte put him out pretty hard but uh yeah I I, I agree with you man I think it's a routine victory I, I think it's more of a uh, a career rebuilding type of fight for for Julian uh, J Rock Williams than it is anything else. Um, I really don't have too much else to say on that fight. I'm not super excited about that one. Um, uh, and uh, to be honest, I didn't. I don't remember who. I know it's a IBF uh, 154 eliminator, but I don't know who that who the winner becomes the mandatory for. Do you happen to know off the top of your head? Uh, it'll be the mandatory for her. Oh, is it Hurd? Okay, okay, okay. So uh, possibly the winner of Hurd and Laura, you know, could face Williams and Gallimore. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, I hope. I, well, I don't know. I don't know. I guess we just have to let it play out and see before I make any other comments. Um, now, with that, there isn't too much action next week outside of those three big fights or those three marquee fights. Um, so. Once again, if you want to call in and talk to us, uh, Michael and I can be reached at 657-383-0391. All right, let's get to news and notes. Um, now, the big news this week, uh, Michael, was, um, and it's been the big news for weeks now, uh, was the Nevada Athletic State Commission um, moving their quote-unquote meeting with Canelo from April 10th to 18th. Um, and along with that news, uh, came news of uh, the NSCA or NASC actually filing an official complaint against Canelo. Um, what do you make of all that, man? Uh, I think personally, it's just the kind of just doing it, making it a formality. Uh, I can't see them 
cancelling the fight with all the money that it's going to bring to Vegas um, at that later notice, April the 18th, I believe they've moved it to. So that's, what, three weeks away. So everybody's already booked the hotels, everyone's booked the flights, everyone's booked the tickets. It'll be kind of outrage, I'm sure, for everybody who's wasted that money if they just give Triple G against, like, Spike O'Sullivan, you know? And they've paid $70 for a ticket. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, I... It's 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 kind of tough because I was I was very adamant um, in 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 my in my belief that excuse me that uh, that the Nevada Athletic State Commission and by that extent Bob Bennett weren't going to do much if anything to Canelo um, for the positive results um, and I don't know to be honest with you I, I didn't think the fight would be canceled at all now it looks like it very well could be. Or I should say delayed because they're going to fight it probably in September if they don't fight uh, in two months. Um, but what I'm having a hard time kind of finding a place to sit on, Michael, is is if 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 this official complaint means they're going to take uh, you know some sort of action against Canelo, uh, what that action might be because, like you said, there's so much money riding on this fight and and circling around this fight. Uh, I not just for the fighters, but you know the NACS for Golden Boy, for for 360 Promotions, for uh, you know for the T-Mobile Arena. I mean, all of these entities and businesses and, and people um, have a ton of money coming from this fight. Um, I still am, am am under the impression or of the opinion that uh, they'll probably suspend Canelo. I think, and it'll be a six-month suspension, which means that not only can he continue to train for a September fight, uh, but that he can he can cycle off and on PEDs again, if, in fact, that's what Canelo is doing. Uh, would you not agree? Yeah, I agree. It's probably just something that ban him. They'll just come back and they'll do it all again in September. You know, May and September being the big the big boxing dates. So sure. They're just going to delay yeah. it so they still, you know, Vegas get the money, the WBC get a cut of the purse. It's 8% the WBC gets or something like that. So. Well, yeah, that's a lot when you're dealing with with tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, yeah, exactly. Now, so it's not it's not really in their best interest to for the sure. fight, you know, never to happen. So, right, no, and and, and every and almost everybody I know that that either watches boxing or works within in the industry always tells me boxing is a business first. And I think for you know for people like us and and for anybody that that listens. Uh, to shows like this, it's important to remember that because, you know, I, I, I'm very cynical, especially the older I get, the more cynical I become. And, you know, it, it's always been true. Uh, you know, you follow the money, you know, it, it, you know, even, even if somebody has a, has a very strong moral code, uh, you know, over at the NACS, even if that were Bob Bennett, which I clearly don't think is the case, um, <laughs> you know, he's not, I wouldn't call him Mr. Ethics or anything. Let's just put it that way. Um, I, <laughs> I just, you know, with that kind of money riding on the line, I think they'll do the six-month suspension at worst, and they'll say, okay, well, you know, we'll do this thing in September, and we'll still make our money, and if we have to have a third fight, you know, uh, we'll do that next May, you know, in 2019 or whatever. Um, but my main concern with uh, with all of this is if Canelo is indeed guilty and, and they're going to punish him for that, whether it's, you know, in small amounts or, you know, in, in, you know, in greater detail, I guess, for lack of a better term, uh, 
I I'm concerned that if if he's using PEDs, that he's going to you know do another cycle or two cycles, um, you know, while he's suspended because. Uh, last week, Victor and I talked about uh, whether or not, or we were asking each other whether or not uh, suspended fighters are tested. Um, I asked several people. I did have yet to get any answers or responses from them. Um, I kind of take that. I kind of take their silence, Michael, as an indication that maybe they know something I don't, and that they don't want to answer that even off the record. Um, now that said, I. You know, I I'm all for an even playing field. I I, I want to see guys win or lose. You know, based on fairness. You know, uh, but I mean, what do you think? Do, um, do you think suspended fighters should be tested, Michael? And and uh, especially if they have, you know, like in this case, where if Canelo suspended, he he's going to have a fight at the end of that suspension. I I believe they should be, but I don't believe they are. I, be, I was listening to an interview with uh, Steve Kim and uh, Tom Loeffler last week, and sure. they were asking Tom Loeffler those sorts of questions, and he was saying that as far as, far as he knows, that during the, the the off season when they're not fighting, unless they haven't got a contract signed, that they're not tested, and then as soon as they sign a contract and they start their twelve week, ten week camp, um, that's when that's when they start getting tested. I, because I believe they probably used the money from that purse to to pay for the test, I guess. Sure. So, uh, I'm sure it's yeah, expensive to, to test people all year round, but... Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely a, a cost involved with, with VADA testing. Um, but like, like uh, you know, like people like Steve Kim and, and uh, Michael Montero have said many times... Uh, on their shows and even on on Twitter, unless you're doing 365 24 seven testing, you're really not being tested. You know what I mean? Uh, because yeah. in in Canelo's case, again, and not to be a broken record, but in Canelo's case, if he gets the six month suspension that I suspect he's going to receive, uh, he can go wherever he wants, eat whatever he wants, inject whatever he wants, drink whatever he wants, and not be te- you know he can cycle on and then off before he's ever tested again. Um, you know, and that that's a problem for me, and it it should be a problem for any boxing fan, um, and and other and and clean fighters as well. Um, but I guess I guess we have to wait and see. Um, Victor and I had actually planned to do a show um, either on the tenth or, or or the next day to discuss um, you know everything that goes down at the uh, in the uh, the gathering that they're having for Canelo over at the uh, NASC, but. Uh, yeah, we'll have to move that back another week or so, but uh, yeah, man, I, I don't know what else to say on that. Um, do you have anything to add to the Canelo PED situation? Uh, not to do with that, but I was listening to an interview with David Price, who was obviously was fighting um, Povetkin, who obviously has uh-huh. tested positive two or three times, and he was saying that mm-hmm. he didn't get tested once for that fight. So he was wondering oh, whether Povetkin was even tested, because obviously that's his opponent. So. Sure. Oh man, that's nuts! Yeah, God, you know I, I don't know. I I'm huge on fairness and like in any aspect of life. I don't I don't want to see. I don't want to see an unnatural advantage created for a fighter or any fighter, you know, even ones that I that I favor or that I'm a fan of, you know. I I want to see a guy win, you know, because he trained hard, he came in with the right game plan, and he did what he had to do. You know what I mean? Uh. Uh, I don't know. Um, and just, just for, for Michael, for your information and for, for that of our listeners, I'm um, looking at my Twitter timeline. 
Uh, and Michael Montero of Montero Unboxing just tweeted out um, or put a video out that says why hair testing is not used uh, in WBC C- CBP inconsistencies. Um, and uh, I think that's probably going to be a good watch. Uh, and I highly recommend that uh, because he's usually got pretty good information on that. Um, but for those who listened last week uh, and those who are listening now, um, I'm going to continue to pester the people that have that inf- or have the information uh, regarding whether or not uh, box suspended boxes are tested. Um, and as soon as I get information from them or from anybody uh, that you know is credible, uh, I'll tweet it out or I will do a show and I'll come on the air and, and talk about it because I think it's it's you know it's one of the hot buttons right now. Um, now, with all of that said, uh, Michael, um, if if Canelo is suspended uh, and he's unable to fight again until September, um, who do you realistically see Gennady Golovkin getting in there with on May 5th? Um, I know Spike O'Sullivan's been calling him out and also uh, sure. Andrade. They've both been try- trying to put themselves in the mix. Um, how How serious do you think Andrade is? Yeah, so that's a good question. I don't know whether he's just trying to keep his name out there. Sure. Um, I, Michael Sullivan, I thought, he looks decent lately. I don't think he's up to uh, Triple G's level. but um, Right. This should be an easy fight to make. Um, Andrade, I, don't, I think he's probably just trying to keep his name out there. I think another win for Triple G. Uh, but he's getting late, you know. It's obviously April 1st. Yeah. yeah. So, well, I guess I get that. Uh, well, with uh, with the T-Mobile Arena issuing refunds for the for the Canelo Golovkin rematch and this hearing coming up, it, it's not a good sign for the fight happening. I still think there's a possibility it could go forward, um, but I'm not so not, I'm not as confident in that as I was uh, even a week ago. But uh, as far as who I'd like to see Golovkin in there with uh, at this point. I I don't want to obviously see him fight any you know cab drivers or you know you know uh, <laughs> anything like that. But uh, at this point, anybody because as a, as a fan of, of dominant champions and as, and as a fan of Golovkin himself uh, and of boxing, um, I want to see the man in the division fight as often uh, as possible. And you know, since he's been chasing, since he got involved with Canelo, and even since he started trying to become involved with Canelo. Golovkin's only been fighting twice a year, so that's been a major disappointment for me, and I know a lot of other fans as well. Um, I think Spike O'Sullivan would, would I agree, it'd be, it wouldn't be a difficult fight to make, um, and I think Spike has that fighter's mentality where even if he doesn't think he, you know, he can win it, I think he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna do everything he can to, to make that happen. Uh, Andrade, I saw all of his calls, call-outs as well. I, I don't take Andrade too seriously. And, and, you know, when you fight that infrequently and, and the quality of your opposition is somewhat questionable to questionable, uh, you know, <laughs> I, 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 tend, I tend to believe, Michael, that I agree with you, that he's probably just trying to keep his name out there. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, like all the other the, uh, PBC slash Heyman fighters. Uh, give me this guy. Give me that guy. You know, well, you fight once a year, dude. You know, do you? How bad do you really want this? You know what I mean? It's, it's. I, I have to. I, you know, your track record makes me question everything about everything you say. Um, but outside of those two guys, I know that I know that Golovkin isn't going to fight 
a killer because I, even though I think he's confident he can win, and I'm sure his team and and Tom Loeffler is as well. Uh, he, you know, he's getting older. He showed he showed some wear and tear in the last few fights last year too, and uh, anything to, to risk that Canelo money. Uh, would you Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I, I had an interview with Tom Loeffler where he said that um, Billy Joe Saunders had contacted them and said that if they could put it back till June, that he could do June because he oh. delayed the uh, his fight with Martin Murray due to an injury, which may be coincidental. He could do that and get that fight instead. I'm sure the payday will be significantly larger for him. Yeah, oh my God, that would be amazing. I know that... Uh... I hadn't I hadn't heard or seen that that uh, Saunders said you know move it out to June and we can do it. Uh, all I had seen on my timeline and on on all the other shows that I listened to and you know take notes from was that uh, that he was unavailable on May for May fifth. Um, but that's for me that's the fight. I don't care about Spike O'Sullivan or Andrade or really other. I don't even really care about Canelo because uh, you've you've heard the show before and you've you've seen you know my timeline on Twitter. Yeah, I thought Golovkin won eight to four, and it was you know a screw job. So I don't need to see it a second time. There's there's no question for me who the winner was. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, I want to see an undisputed middleweight champion of the world, whether it be a guy that I love like Golovkin or a guy that I just can't stand. I love to see consolidation in the sport. I love to see things come together and to know, hey, this is the guy in this division at this time or in this era. Um, now that would be awesome. I don't know. I don't know how. Uh, how likely it is that Lof, Tom Loeffler or or Golovkin, uh, you know, it is for those guys to move the fight out. I don't even know if it's logistically or financially possible, but uh, I God, I would love to see that happen um, because that's really the only the only thing left Golovkin has to prove at middleweight, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I kind of think that fight is interesting right now, Michael, because because Golovkin has slowed down, you know, noticeably. I'm wondering if the movement in, in the boxing of, of Saunders. Uh, if that doesn't give Golovkin some problems, yeah, yes, it'd be maybe a, another Billy Joe Saunders against David Lemieux type performance. I think that's what Billy Joe would probably go for, just trying sure. to dance around him, pick him off, and just hope that Golovkin can't close the ring on him and catch him. Right, um, right. It, it's definitely that makes sense. Uh-huh. So it'd be interesting. Yeah. I think I think that's the the one thing that I've noticed about Golovkin uh, since I've noticed or recognized the decline in his game is the is you know, the drop off you know is the uh, his footwork isn't as good as it was he's not cutting off the ring as efficiently or as effectively as he used to he's doing a lot more following or chasing um, and he's trying to load up on some big punches um, and you know like like I said earlier in the show you know we've seen the same stories play out over and over again. Uh, you know, guys that hit hard as they get older and their legs and reflexes tend to go, uh, they start relying more and more on their power. So, you know, they look for that one shot, but uh, yeah, if, yeah. If he couldn't, if he couldn't, or if they, if they actually fight, I, it's tough to say, I think Golovkin wins probably by decision, but I think that Saunders at this stage of the game would, would uh, give him some, some, some real problems. Yeah, I agree. I think Saunders' movement um, just might be too much for for Triple G, but he's just got that knockout power. So whether he can catch him in the corner and take him out, um, 
hopefully we can see it in June. You know, hopefully it'd be a good Vegas oh. fight. They could keep, keep the T-Mobile and uh, and do that. Because I agree, we've already seen the, the Triple G Canelo once, and I think a lot of people now, especially with the uh, the test, him testing positive, they're just they're they're over it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think. Well, last week I commented to Victor. I said, you know, uh, and I think I may have made a mistake in saying it and even thinking it, but I said uh, that the the this Canelo slash PED thing. You know, is a boon to the to the promotion or to the fight, but it actually is. I don't think it is. I think you're right. I think it it's kind of. I think the fight will still sell well just because of the two names involved in the location. You know, that it's taking place in or will take place in. But uh, yeah, I I think it it's really turned a lot of people off. And you know, if if on the 18th of this month we find out that you know, Canelo is being suspended and they're going to actually accuse him of using PEDs to gain an unfair advantage, then that takes a lot, that takes even more shine off the fight, I think, for, for people like you and I, um, you know, because that makes us question the validity of it even more. Would you not agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that, especially since, you know, a lot of places like BoxRec class him as the, the pound for pound number one, so you've got sure. to look at his 49, his 49 of the fights. Was he? Has he been doing it the whole time? Is his whole career a bit right. of a scam? So right, yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but uh, I you know the fight the fight's gonna happen with no matter what guys like you and I think, um, and there there's a po- always a possibility of a rubber match as well. So uh, yeah, man. Um, now that actually concludes everything I have on my notes. Um, there isn't a whole lot of action next week outside of those three fights we mentioned. Uh, and I want outside of the, the, the Canelo news, there wasn't anything that, uh, you know, people couldn't really just kind of glance at on Twitter and, and move on with their day. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to, to add or bring to the show today, Michael? Uh, just the rumor of, uh, Tyson Fury supposed to be back on June the 9th on the, uh, Maurice Hooker, Terry Flanagan undercard. Ah, okay. I hadn't heard that. Um, do you think... How 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 likely do you think that is? <laughs> um, I can see him coming back. He's lost a lot of weight, but I, I can't see him fighting anybody of note. But I can see him getting right. back in the ring, just fighting a, a local taxi driver, uh, yeah. something like that. Uh, well, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's funny. I I've, I've said it before many times, and I'll say it again. Anytime somebody mentions Tyson Fury, two things go through my mind. One, his his really raspy voice. And two, uh, you know, until he actually is in the ring fighting a live body, I, you know, and answers the opening bell, I, I, it's it's one of those things where I don't, I'm very skeptical. I don't, I won't say that I don't believe it's a possibility or that it's improbable. I just, I don't really take Tyson Fury all that seriously, only because of of all of the, you know, the personal problems that guy had. Um, when he's in the ring, the guys, the guys, a, a damn good boxer. You know, and I think especially in the, the heavy, this modern heavyweight landscape, you know, he gives a lot, all of these guys some, some problems, even the guys at the top. But I, what I want to see from Tyson Fury is a guy that comes into the ring trim, fit, you know, without the muffin top or the belly. And, and I want to see, you know, given he's going to fight, like you said, local cab drivers, you know, guys that, that fight are part-time fighters. And that that's fine. He's been out a long time, but. Uh, you know, after one or two tune-ups, and hopefully, you know, it's, there's not these wide gaps in between his tune-up fights. Uh, I want to see him in there with, with, you know, with the top guys. I, I don't, I don't want to see this stretched out. I don't over a four or five year kind of game plan. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, the time's perfect for him to come back with the heavyweight scene, yeah. especially in Britain. You know, you've got a lot of big guys in there, Joshua, and obviously Deontay Wilder. Um, so for him, in his professional career, you know, he's, he can make a lot of money if he can get back, if he can get over those demons that he's got in his head. But he seems sure. to be a lot better now. He doesn't seem to be craving that attention as much. Um I think the problem, one of the problems he had was, I mean, when he won the title against Kalichko, he was still kind of like classed as a joke in the, the heavyweight di- right. uh, division. Um, so I think he won it, and then he was probably looking around and thinking to himself, I'm the undisputed heavyweight title, uh, the undisputed heavyweight, heavyweight title holder, and nobody seems to like me still. So Right. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, because uh, prior to the Klitschko fight, uh, even though I thought, you know, Klitschko, I knew Klitschko was in decline, that was obvious, but... You know, I thought uh, I thought mm, Tyson Fury. I didn't take him real seriously. I thought, you know, he, he shows up at bat, as Batman and, and and wrestles with guys at press conferences, and you know that's all fine and good. I don't, I don't. That stuff doesn't bother me. It's kind of a goof, but I didn't take him real seriously. And I looked at his resume prior to Klitschko, and I just thought, well, yeah, how you know how 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 much of a threat is this guy? You know, what what is he really all about? And I you know I kept telling myself, not much, not much. Uh, but you know, but he proved me and a lot of other people very wrong against Klitschko. Um, I'm, I'm just. It, I think like several of the other fights that are happening this weekend, Michael. I think Tyson Fury. Any, any possible success Tyson Fury has moving forward uh, is going to depend on how focused he is and whether or not you know he can, he can get those monkeys off of his back, like you said. Uh, but uh, I guess that that's that remains to be seen. Um, Personally, I hope the guy comes back and, and he's tearing things up because right now we've only got we've got two guys at the top of the heavyweight mountain and then everybody else beneath those two guys are way beneath them. You know what I mean? It's just I don't see a lot of competition or serious competition for the two the two champions. I mean, I know Deontay Wilder is very vulnerable and you know and prone to to being knocked out at any moment, but more so than Joshua, but you know, even Joshua has a shaky chin at times, or has had one, and you know his movement's not all that great. So, you know, uh, I would love to see somebody like that, like like Fury, get in there and 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 add a third name to the mix, you know, so that we can get some of these matchups uh, and see guys pushed or tested. But uh, you know, uh, like I said just a second ago, that remains to be seen. Tyson's got, I think Tyson's got a big mountain to climb in front of him, and I and I hope he makes it to the top. Because uh, I think guys like him are, I think he's good for boxing, even if he's not the most exciting fighter in the ring. I think his antics, you know, it, it draws attention to the sport and makes everybody laugh, and we all have a good time talking about it. So, you know, I think Tyson Fury's return is a good thing, you know, as long as he's in shape and, and doing what he's supposed to do. Uh, did you have yeah, anything else to add? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, I was just going to say it should be interesting because he's he's a completely different style as well to uh, sure. to Wilder to Joshua. So, you know, if those guys all start fighting each other, it should be interesting just to see who comes out on top, just between those like three or four big heavyweights. So. Right now, uh, what is he? What is what is that line he says? Is it the Mac is back? Is that what Tyson Fury says? Yeah, all the, the Mac time. Is back. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but his accent is even thicker than yours. <laughs> his his he, sometimes he's hard to un, for me. He's hard, and I watch a lot of British television. I'm a big Doctor Who fan and, and whatnot. And man, sometimes when when Tyson opens his mouth, it's like, what is this guy talking about? Like, slow down. But uh, yeah, man, 
I, I hope he comes back, you know, and I'm sure I'm sure you're with me on that. Um, now, was there anything else you wanted to add, or should we wrap the show a little bit early today? Um, the only thing I can think of is uh, the strange fight that was added to next week's card of uh, Sergio Mora against Alfredo Angulo. Uh, oh, my God, know, yes. I don't know where that came from or why they decided to make that. It seems like we've rolled it all the way back to the Contender Series a few years ago. <laughs> that's that's a great analogy. Yeah, when you know when I saw that fight on uh, the news of that fight on Twitter, it was one of those things where I just thought, "Are you fucking kidding me?" You know what I mean? Neither of these guys, <laughs> neither of these guys, especially Angulo, should be anywhere. You know, he's he's in David Price territory in my mind. It's you know, I know fighters, professional prize fighters, sometimes continue fighting. You know longer than they should or, or because they need to. They've got families to feed and whatnot. You know, we all do jobs that we don't want to do because we've got to, we've got to get by and, and put food in our stomachs and clothe our children and stuff. But, you know, guys like you and I aren't stepping into the ring. We're doing, you know, you know we're, doing, we're doing regular poor man's jobs, you know, earning a living the easy way. We're not taking beatings, you know. Somebody like Alfredo Angulo, especially after the Kirkland fight, yeah, I look at that and I think, holy shit! Why? How? How was he ever allowed to to step into the ring again after that beating, after the Kirkland beating? You know, I, I just, I mean, what are your thoughts on this? I at first I thought my I'd, my eyes were deceiving me. I thought it was like an old <laughs> fight that I was looking at, and then I I looked at it and I was looking at it for a while, and then I was like, that that can't be right. And then I clicked on Boxrec, I looked at Boxrec, and saw it was on there, and. But Angulo's not fought since 2016, and since 2013, he's won two fights and lost yeah. four. So I, so I can't see why he's come back. I thought I thought Sergio Mora had retired and was just commentating now. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, somebody like uh, even though he's you know a little long in the tooth, I could see somebody like like Andre Ward or even Carl Frotch at 40 or 41. Saying I want to come back because they left on high notes, you know what I mean? They weren't, they weren't shop worn or they were as, as, you know as much as somebody like an Angulo is. But when I see Angulo and even Mora, who is kind of an under, you know, not, I won't say underachiever because that would that would make people think he was supposed to do more than he actually did. But you know, both both very mediocre fighters, and I think Mora was a, probably a little more skilled than than Alfredo Angulo. I just I look at both of these guys and I had the same reaction you did, Michael. I, when I saw it, I didn't believe it for a second either. It took me some time. I thought, "What is this? Why?" You know, and then I thought, "Why the hell is this happening? How the hell is this happening?" I don't, you know. Victor and I have talked at great length on and off the air about uh, boxing being a sport where you don't ha- you have you have more enablers than you do people that care about you as a fighter. You know, and it's it's well get in there and earn your paycheck, or I've got to get in. Nobody, you know, nobody's going to, you know, tell you, no, don't get in there. You know, I mean, look at Lou DiBella and uh, Jermaine Taylor. You know, at first Lou DiBella says, you know, uh, releases the guy because, you know, you've got problems, you've got brain damage, whatever the case is. And then he allows him to come back. You know, it's just, it's one of those things where it's, I wish the sport, I wish the sport that we love had some kind of safety net or safeguard that would even if it didn't disallow fighters to get in the ring when they shouldn't be in there, would heavily dissuade them or maybe even penalize them for getting in there. You know, it's, you know, there's a lot of, not not that it's easy to go out and earn a living, especially a living that pays as well as boxing does, even at its lowest levels. Um, 
you know, there are other ways to earn a living, and I'd, I'd rather see guys make, you know, a, a lesser living, you know, less money and stay alive or, or keep their health and their sanity uh, than, I, than I would step into the ring and, and, you know, take a beating that they obviously don't need to take, especially in Angulo's case. I just, oh, I don't understand. I do sometimes I, I, you know, there's, I never not love the sport, Michael, but some days like, or, or moments like I'm having right now where I, I'm just kind of stare off into space while I'm talking about it. And I think, what is wrong with this sport? What is wrong with the people that run it that, that think this is okay? You know, because I'm a business owner and there are times where I have to put business first, you know what I mean? To, for the health of the company or even for an employee or for myself. But it, it you know, there are, there are lines that, that, both my wife and I won't cross, you know, we're not going to hurt somebody or allow somebody to hurt themselves so that they can earn a paycheck from us or do something for the company. You know what I mean? It just, it's to me, this is a, this fight is completely absurd. So uh, yeah, I, I don't agree. have, I, I don't have too much else to add to that, but you can go for it. <laughs> it's I mean, the prime example of what you just said is uh, Antonio Margarito who retired what in 2011 yes. because he was, essentially blind in one eye and then i assume in 2016 <laughs> needed the money and then obviously uh california and all those agencies wouldn't wouldn't give him a license so mexico yeah here you go here's here's your license and he's still fighting he's for right. carson jones carson jones is at the end of last year i believe and beat him and the guy's essentially blind in one eye but yeah oh this no, is another well, this is another one of those stories, Michael, that we've talked about twice that you see over and over if you watch boxing for more than like one or two years. You see the same things happen over and over to fighters, promoters, networks, fans, you know, locations. Uh, this, is, this, is a, this is a prime example of that, um, you know, fighters fighting too long when they shouldn't be or, or don't need to be. Um, you know, like I said, I get it when, you're, when, you, when, you leave and, when you leave the sport and you're on top of the game, which is rare. Uh, you know, and you want to come back a few years later, maybe for a for a farewell fight, or you know, maybe you just missed the game, or you don't want, you can't accept getting older, or whatever the case is, you know. But I mean, Angulo and Mora were not, were never, you know, boxing's poster boys, you know, for skill or for talent or for drawing power or for anything else. You know, Angulo was involved in in some exciting fights, no doubt, but you know, that to me that doesn't justify allowing the guy to step in the ring and you know, potentially harm himself, even if it's not today or, or on Saturday night, you know, those effects show up when, when, when these guys retire and, you know, hit their fifties and sixties, you know what I mean? They, 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 their lives become extremely difficult and they become burdens, you know what I mean? On themselves and their families. And it just turns into a huge clusterfuck of a mess. So uh, I, I, you know, I don't, when it, when is that fight happening by the way? I don't remember. It's on the undercard of uh, Lara and Hurt. Oh man! So okay, so that's that's happening this week. Yeah, I, I mean that shows you what mm. I thought of it. I didn't even bother to, to mark down, even make a mental note of when that fight was happening. I just knew that it was, and it it just disgusted me. <laughs> not to not to get on a not to grandstand or, you know, get on a moral high horse or anything. It just I don't like to see people take unnecessary beatings. You know, I love the violence in, in the in the context of the sport and the brutality, you know, within the parameters of the sport or in the contest itself. But outside of that, you know, in and I'm a huge violence and blood and guts guy. I mean, give me, give me, you know, teeth flying and blood splattering. I that that makes the fight for me. But you know, this is just unnecessary. This I I kind of see it as an embarrassment for the sport. I mean, you know, 
the sport's always talking about let's reach out to casuals or the promoters are in the networks. They will, they don't want just guys like you and I watching, Michael. They want, you know, they want people like my wife to watch that only watch the big fights, you know, or tune in when their spouse or their friend is watching or when they go to, a, you know, some kind of fight party or they're out, you know, out of the town watching in a restaurant or a bar or something. But this that's not a fight that, you know, that, that doesn't do anybody any good. <laughs> no, I'm guessing they're both just... Need some money, you know, because I think the misconception yeah. that a lot of people have is all the boxers live a life like Floyd Mayweather. Yeah, yeah, and 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 the people, the boxers that live lifestyles like Mayweather, usually don't live them for you know more than five to ten years. That money runs out when they're no longer active in the ring. So, you know, that's and that's a whole other that's a whole other issue for another episode. <laughs> Adrian Broner, that'll be Broner. Yeah. Think. Uh, well, yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Broner, I think Broner's one of the guys, one of those guys that, I mean, he's still young enough to fight and he's a, he's a clearly, a, you know, at the journeyman or gatekeeper level yeah, at best. But, uh, you know, I think he continues to fight not because he loves the sport or because he's good at it or okay at it. I think he does it because it gives him party money. You know, <laughs> The same reason I went to work when I was 18 or 19, 20 years old. You know what I mean? Oh, I've got my, I've got my drinking money for the weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah, that, I think he'll be in trouble if he loses his next fight to uh, Jesse Vargas. Yeah, I well, I mean, well, we always say that. You know, everybody says uh, if this Broner loses this fight, this could be the end for him, and he keeps being brought back. You know, either by himself or or Al Heyman. You know, over there at the PBC. So hard to say. You know, uh, Broner's one of those guys. I think uh, I don't think the damage. I don't think the damage he takes in the ring is ever going to affect him. Is is as as big you know as bad as is the damage he does to himself outside of the ring <laughs> unfortunately the, the guy has no self control and no discipline and you know has nobody looking out for him or you know pushing him in the right direction so you know hopefully all these guys get their shit straightened out and can either fight for the right reasons or not you know or discontinue fighting for the right reasons so um but yeah that's pretty much all i had to say anything else uh, no, I don't think so. All right. Well, then I'll go ahead and wrap up the show early because I've got uh, Easter dinner waiting for me. So I'm going to go have some turkey and um, uh, what do they call them in England? Buttery mash? Is that what you guys call them? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm friends with uh, uh, online with uh, uh, Thomas Drywall King, and we went to Superfly together uh, back in September and. Uh, he told me I love buttery mash, and I wasn't sure what the hell he was talking about for for about two minutes. <laughs> I had to go and look it up. I thought I said, "You mean mashed potatoes?" He said, "Yeah, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah." And I said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we'll go ahead and uh, Michael and I will go ahead and wrap up episode 18 of the Loaded Gloves Boxing Podcast. Um, Michael, I want to thank you for joining me. Uh, it's been really fun working with you, and I definitely want to have you on again, um, both when Victor is with us and when Victor either can't, uh, you know, or or when Victor can't. Uh, get on because of work or because when he's not feeling well. Uh, so if you're up for it, I would love to have you on, man. Anytime you're available, uh, it's been a lot of fun. And you know the game. So uh, thank you again for joining me today. Um, you like what you heard? You can follow uh, Split D Boxing on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Split D Boxing. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at at Split D Boxing dot com. Uh, my usual co-host at seven five seven Vic. And uh, go ahead, Michael, give them your uh, Twitter handle again. My Twitter handle is mshep10. 
Okay, MShep10 for Michael Shepard. Uh, everybody go follow him. Uh, you can follow, uh, sorry, you can follow uh, the Split D Boxing website at splitdboxing.com. And if you are able and so inclined to do so, uh, you, can support, you can support the Greater Split D Boxing Network and by extension this podcast on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash split boxing. Uh, so this has been episode 18 of the Loaded Gloves Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Jarvis. And for my uh, guest co-host this week, Michael Shepard, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.